This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. No rust for Illinois basketball as, boy, we thought they could come out a little sluggish after this COVID pause. I mean, 10 players having COVID-19. Don't know how many were symptomatic, how many were dealing with, uh, you know, some some sick symptoms here. But 13 days off and they come out and really leave no doubt from the start, building a 25-11 lead by the 10-minute mark, the 9-minute mark, I believe, uh, on their way to cruising. I mean, the last 40 minutes or last 30 minutes weren't very competitive. 76-53, Illinois defeats Minnesota. Improved to 3-0 during Big Ten play for the first time since 2010 11. Michael Toop with me. Uh, we had some football news we're going to cover in another podcast, some big uh, staff shakeup for Brett Bioma. But uh, the big news is Illinois basketball was back on the court again, Mike. Great to see basketball, but I think we're expecting a little bit uh, of a stumble out of the gates out of this one. And, and boy, that was not the case. Yeah, you know, going into it, it's, it's a bad matchup for Minnesota to begin with, just because of the, and I say bad matchup, there's a lot of bad matchups when it comes to Kofi. You know, when it, and just in the Big Ten or nationally, whoever, whatever team you want to roll in there, oftentimes it's going to be a bad matchup for them in the interior. And there's all the talk of rust, right? And there's all the talk of the layoff and rhythm. And I, I'm a firm believer that all of that becomes a reality if you let it become a reality. Um, I thought the first couple minutes of this game, you really, really saw a team that imposed their will. Um, I was really curious how they were going to fair on a guy like Jamison Battle, where he's that, you know, he's, he's a very, very big four skilled. And when you roll that, that starting lineup out there that they have, okay, who's going to draw the assignment? Okay. It's DeMonte and DeMonte made him really uncomfortable tonight. Um, forced him into a lot of tough shots. And I thought that's really what set the tone was, was DeMonte and, and the job that, that Trent did on Willis as well. And uh, you know, and they only took 14 threes tonight. You know, it's not like they were just their normal bombs away self. They they stuck to what was working, and that was Kofi on the interior. And, and all of that ended up kind of being the story of the game. And sitting at 3-0 in Big Ten play, I, obviously you mentioned 2010-2011. It's been, you know, over a decade since that ha- since that's happened. And, and it is unusual, but it's a really good spot to be in. So I'm happy for these guys. You come off the pause. But I, I think the other thing you look at is – and going into it, I heard, I heard from a lot of people, right? Well, they're coming off COVID pause. You know, what's it going to look like? Hey, Minnesota hasn't played since December 22nd either. So you can't – you have to factor those things in. I get they weren't sitting in their dorm room or apartments, but there's still – a layoff's a layoff. So, you know, I, I was really happy to see this team come out and, like I said, impose their will like they did. And it was the difference in the game in the first couple of minutes. Yeah, we'll get to Kofi. We'll get to uh, the Big Ten standings, Mike, which are are pretty surprising uh, just through three games for most teams at this point. But I thought the stat that really stood out is 0.779 points per possession for Minnesota, 
Listen, Minnesota is not as good as their 10 and one record. I think most of us knew that Jamison battle has been really good. Uh, they've built a, a solid team that I think should compete against the bottom half of the big 10, but uh, I, I don't think they're going to be a contender. So these are the road games you need to go and win, but that doesn't make them easy, but it makes it a lot easier, Mike, when you're locked in defensively and, and the togetherness of this defense, it seems like it's cohesive right now. Now, Missouri and Minnesota, maybe not as great a test as what Ohio state Purdue. Um, I can't say Michigan at this point, Iowa was a good test. And I thought early in the game, they played pretty well there. What are you seeing from this defense that, that makes you think this could be a, a big 10 title winning defense? Yeah. And we, we talked about it with Alfonso Plummer before, right? It, it, whatever, level he reached defensively is is going to dictate you know not entirely but it's going to have a hand in dictating how far this team goes because he's a guy that's going to be on the floor for for 30 minutes a game and he's a little bit undersized and uh but i thought that the amount of tough twos that they forced minnesota into into tonight ended up being the story and part of that is their their ball coverage defensively this drop coverage lends itself and encourages these, these pull-up jumpers, um, you know, and, and Omar and Kofi, you know, Omar had that block early in the game and Coleman Hawkins got his hand on a, uh, on a few basketballs as well. And uh, Kofi, same thing. It discouraged them from driving into the paint and getting all the way downhill. So now when you're, when you're left with just these tough twos and guys are fighting over screens and guys are, are really, really – good on the ball. I thought the ball pressure was great tonight. I thought guys were guarding their yard. Now all you're left with are these tough twos. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a process of elimination thing. If you can do those, those things well on the defensive end, and those are the shots that you want to force. Now I thought Minnesota at times, it was almost relying on those types of shots. Um, but, but as a whole, that's really what you saw. And that's when you, you mentioned that 0.77 mark defensively, uh, it, it's huge. And then, and then not letting them get out in transition. They did have 14 turnovers, but there weren't a ton of live ball turnovers. Uh, you know, I thought that ended up being the, the story there defensively. Uh, but this team, as they continue to improve on that end, it's going to be scary. And, and you've seen them really take this stride where, yes, I understand Minnesota, Missouri aren't the, aren't the greatest teams in college basketball, but this is exactly what you do to those teams. You're supposed to win games like this against teams like that. And it's not going to happen every time, but if you can have complete games on the defensive end like that, this is typically the result that, that, that you're going to get, and they're, they're continuing to trend in the right direction defensively. And Mike, it's just really hard to see Illinois losing to bottom half Big Ten teams, especially this Big Ten, because of Kofi Coburn. I mean, what he's doing right now, six straight double-doubles, eight in the last nine games. He's now starting to qualify for all these stats uh, nationally. He's third in scoring in the country. He's third in rebounding in the country. He's now third in Ken Pomp's Player of the Year voting. He finally qualifies uh, for that. But 29 points tonight, nine of 11 from the free throw line, 10 rebounds, four blocks, two assists, two steals. Uh, he's just way too much for a team like Minnesota who's undersized. He's just, a, he's just a great eraser for, for good teams, and then he's just way too dominant for, for these bad teams to handle. He just he gives this team, and I, I know we've said this so many times, gives them such a high floor, and he continues to just seem to get better, and he doesn't have many off nights. Yeah, you're right. And, and it, was, it was weird, 10 for 19 from the floor. It's, that almost seems unlike Kofi. The, the beauty is he got a lot of those back. Mm -hmm. And 
I, I think it's been great to see this particular team's awareness uh, when he has it going. Um, there was a particular moment in the second half, and it, I don't even think this call came from Brad. It came from Trent. Ball gets inbounded. Kofi's got it going. And you, you can see Trent hold up horns. Let's go horns. Let's just keep running it. Um, you know, and then we talk about that horn set. We got, you know, two bigs, or it's Jacob Grandison, or it's, or it's Plummer up there with Kofi. You know, you're going to go off Kofi's side. Kofi's going to roll. You're going to throw it back to the top of the key. And you have those middle third of the floor passes. And we talk about how deadly those are for defenses. They're especially deadly when you have that particular lineup on the floor. When you have Jacob Grandison, DeMonte Williams, Alfonso Plummer, Trent Frazier, it becomes so much harder to help in. And that's why you saw Eric Curry on an island basically the majority of the night. Because even if they want to help, they're too late. Kofi's already in a spin move, and you're probably hacking his shoulder or arm. And that's why he shoots 11 free throws. So, you know, he continues to, to kind of keep building and stacking these dominant performances. And it really is going a long way towards, you know, his, his player of the year candidacy, not only just in the Big Ten, but, but nationally. And it's, it's crazy to think that this is the second year in a row where you have a national player of the year candidate. And it, I think it speaks to the development. Uh, you know, Io and, and Kofi, the second they stepped on campus, weren't national player of the year candidates, but they developed into it. They grew. And, and I think they have teammates and a culture that allows them to unlock, you know, this, this level of development. And, and I think it's, it's credit to, to the teammates, credit to the kids, uh, credit to the staff. I mean, all of that is just extremely impressive. And, um, man, it, it seems really easy for him. And I hate to say that because I think, you know, he goes through it every night and I'm sure it's not easy. You have guys draped all over you, but um, he has a certain grace about him when he does it. So 29 and 10 tonight again. And, you know, you just kind of like, oh yeah, well, that's Kofi. And, and it's been really neat to see. And we've talked about before, it, it's, it's going to be different when, when, when Kofi leaves Champaign. Yeah, and it's going to be different when Jacob Grandison leaves. 11 points, six rebounds, four assists tonight, four or five shooting. Alfonso Plummer will be gone next year. I mean, I don't want to get people upset about this, but uh, three twos tonight, right? He was 0 for 3 from 3, but they didn't need him uh, to, to do that offensively. Uh, Trent Frazier only five points on seven shots, but great defense, as you said. DeMonte Williams had one of his best nights here recently. Nine points, five rebounds, four assists, made three threes. Didn't like some of the turnaround Jays in the paint, uh, but he does so many good things for this team. Um, all of those guys, seniors, Grandison could have another year, um, but man, that, that was a really good supporting cast. And I, I thought DeMonte especially really shined. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think DeMonte, I mentioned it earlier, the, the job that he did on battle and then even being, you know, when Trent was out of the game, taking on the challenge of guarding Willis, those are two really good players and, and really the two heads of the snake if you will, uh, for Minnesota. And, you know, you can't – Jacob Grandison, <laughs> I mean, seriously, it, it's game after game. And he – you know, the way that they started this game and you start to question, man, like what are they going to look like? Like we said, is there going to be rust? And then, boom, it's 13-5, to 5, the first media. And, and you think to yourself, well, no, there's not. Um, and I, I even thought Coleman Hawkins – was fantastic tonight. He, he, I don't really know how to explain it. Cause I think when you look at the games that he started and the games that he hasn't started, um, 
for, for some reason, and, and I, can't, I can't wrap my head around it, he has let the game come to him more when he's come off the bench than when he was starting. And I think that says a lot about him. He seems so much more relaxed out there. Uh, you know, a guy that doesn't start who comes in, you know, after that, that first media, you, you can typically press a little bit. You want to make up for lost time. And I thought, I thought he almost did that when he started. Like he wanted, you know, when he wanted to get off such a good start and then he started rushing things and turning the ball over. And I know he had, you know, a, a late clock turnover tonight, but he's just been so sure of himself. Um, he, he seems calm out there, collected. And I think part of that is, you know, his teammates probably rubbing off on him a little bit. There's a, there's a certain confidence that this team has and when you see the ball going through the basket a lot, that's part of it, obviously. Um, you know, but these guys, uh, you can't say enough about night, night in and night out. It, it tends to be someone different in, in certain ways, but, but then it's still everyone all the same. It's just, you know, it, it's the sign of a really good team. And you mentioned Alfonso Plummer. Um, by my count, I think he's 26 for 41 from two this year, uh, which – we, you can you can fact check me on that, but yeah, uh, if, right. if if that is true, I mean that is incredibly incredibly high level. I mean that is, I mean you talk about some of the best finishers in the NBA, Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry around the rim. I mean these guys, these smaller guards, they don't shoot sixty percent, you know, over sixty percent from from two. It, it's just it's been really neat to watch his his transformation. We talked about in the film review with him before the season. He's great when he has his mind made up and he's going to the basket. I mean, he still did that at a high level at Utah, but he's on a, he's on a whole nother level this year. And it's partly because he has so many threats around him and you can't come and help off Kofi. Yeah. So he, when he has these downhill drives, I mean, it's just him and his defender and it's, he's strong enough to hold him off and, and get those little flip shots off the glass. So contributions all around. I thought Omar Payne and his few minutes as well, you know, <laughs> volleyball spike and balls off the glass and, uh, he had that great offensive rebound that kept the possession alive to get them a bucket early. You know, he, like we said, I mean, you don't expect a ton out of him, but in the minutes that he's has, he's starting to be a lot more efficient with them. And I think across the board, it's great to see. Yeah, I know Coleman Hawkins had his ups and downs to the non-conference, but just during conference play, I'm looking at the snapshot, Mike, nine points and three rebounds, two assists, three steals against Rutgers. We know what he did against Ron Harper that night. Against Iowa, did a great job early on against Keegan Murray. Seven points, seven rebounds, five assists. Did foul out in that game. Uh, and then tonight, um, has six re six points, eight rebounds, three offensively. Did have the three turnovers, but I, I think you're seeing him, like everyone else is kind of settled in their roles. He seems to be settling in his role. And, and that's what has happened, right? Eight of the last nine they've won in this team They've just been on the court together for one. Uh, and, and, but now it's, they're gaining confidence and you can see, uh, I mean, clearly Mike, this is, this is a top 25 team. This is a big 10 title contender. We've been seeing this build up. Uh, they got huge games coming up the later this month, but um, th this is the team we thought they could be without Andre Curbelo. And we'll talk about him coming up, but um, it's just, the team seems to be gelling mostly because they've just been together for a while now and they're good. There's a really good team. It's funny to think about Big Ten title contender and not a top twenty-five team. You know, it's just that like that almost seems like an oxymoron. Um, yeah, and that's gonna correct itself. Hopefully, you get you know you get a win against Maryland on Thursday, and then come Monday you should be in a should be in a good spot to to see yourself in the top twenty-five. But 
like we talked about before, and, and I'll hammer this home until we, we stop doing podcasts, Jeremy, it, it's all about the growth. I mean, that's, that's always how you determine whether or not you had a successful season and the growth that they've shown since Kansas State or since Cincinnati, right? Since Kansas City in general. Um, you know, you, you take Kansas City out uh, of the season, it's a, it's a pretty good snapshot. You know, you've won, you're 10-1, and one, um, won a lot of games against high major teams relatively handily. Um, that says a lot about them, man. And, and, and I, I do think they are in a position, we talk about the Big Ten standings, and how it's almost just it's inverted from what you would expect it, uh, before the season. So um, even, even Maryland, like Maryland did 0 2. Everyone thought they were going to be pretty good this year. I mean, they did lose some talent, but they did well in the transfer portal. Maryland's two games back coming into this game, or a game and a half. Michigan's two games back. Purdue's two games back. I mean, it's very early, right? A lot can happen, but we don't expect Illinois to, to lose five games in a row, right? To where that's going to be easy uh, to make up. Same thing with Ohio State and Michigan State. So uh, it's significant that, that you've started off this well. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, you're exactly right. And I, I really do believe this. And we, we talked about this before when you and I made our, our predictions before the season for who was going to win the Big Ten. You know, I think I'd made the comment of when you talk about question marks, when you talk about, hey, where can we poke holes in this team's game? I, I truly believe that Illinois had the least, had the least amount of question marks. Um, and I think that's proving to be true as the season goes on, whereas some of these other Big Ten teams, you can look and, and point to, you know, certain things where you say, hey, you know, this is a major question mark right now. I think Purdue's going to have to figure it out defensively. Um, really, that's, that's where they are struggling right now. And it's funny, I was talking for, for two weeks leading up to it to, to different people, and I said, hey, if you have the personnel, I would not double Travion Williams and Zach Eady. I just I, – me, my personal opinion, I don't think they can – left shoulder, right hook you to death. Um, you know, and Wisconsin proved that. And it's almost like the scouts out a little bit where, in my opinion, for a team like Purdue, Sasha Stevanovich is the catalyst. If he gets going and he hits four or five threes, it's a wrap. There's too many other good players on that team that, that can, you know, that can kind of help them push them over the top and get wins. So they're, they're going to need to answer some questions defensively without, you know, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, when you talk about the questions for Illinois and, and, hey, where can we poke holes? You know, the first question, people, oh, well, they turn the ball over a lot. And, Jeremy, you and I were talking, and I, I was doing a little bit of research <laughs> on this. Unload this. This was really good. Uh, you know, you go back to the last three times. So I, I believe Michigan State shared the conference in 2020. They, they won it outright in 2019. And I think they shared it in 2018 as well. Those three years that they won the Big Ten title, they were 12th, 13th, and 14th, dead last in the conference in turnover percentage. So it has happened before, right, where you have had a team that turns the ball over, but the reason why those Michigan State teams were successful was because although they turned it over, they got the second chance opportunities on the offensive glass. And I think these, this particular Illinois team – because those Michigan State teams shot the ball pretty well, too. There's a lot of similarities between those Michigan State teams that won those Big Ten titles, the regular season titles, and this particular Illinois team. So, you know, it's not to say, hey, you know, you turn the ball over, there's no chance you win a Big Ten title. No, there's a chance, and history proves that there's a chance. I mean, even just, even just going back by the numbers 
even more, and this was one of the more mind-blowing things, you go to the last 12 champions, okay? So counting co-champions as well, last nine years, you go back to the last 12 champions, four of them, four of the 12 finished in the top five in turnover percentage in the conference, four of the 12. Yeah. And five of the 12 finished 11th or worse. So, uh, you know. You can make it, up for it, right? Yeah. I make, mean, you can make, you can make the arguments. Make a bunch of threes and get them back offensively, right? And right now, Illinois is number two in the country in offensive rebound percentage, ninth in the country in three-point percentage. That'll work. That'll work. And, and, that's, and now you can't be the team that's turning it over, shooting it poorly, and not getting rebounds back in the offensive glass. You'll, that's when you'll find yourself towards, towards the bottom of the conference, right? I mean, even tonight, you look, at, you look at this performance against Minnesota, first half, didn't have a ton of offense rebounds, got a lot back in the second half. Now you get, you know, and for anyone that doesn't realize, and I'm, maybe I'm explaining, over-explaining this, but when you talk about offensive rebounding percentage, and when we say that they're number two in the country in offensive rebounding percentage, that's not, you know, they get the most offensive rebounds per game. That's, hey, tonight against Minnesota, they missed 32 shots. Mm -hmm. They got 13 back. They got 40% of their misses back. And right now they're at 41.5 for the season. It's the reason why they're number two. So that's the percentage you look at. It's not always about the number of offensive rebounds. Because if you're typically, if you're leading the country in, off, in number of offensive rebounds, you're missing a lot of shots. Right. And this team doesn't miss a lot of shots, but when they do, they get them back. So, um, you know, that, that I know I, I did a little deep dive on Big Ten history. And, you know, the numbers speak to this Illinois team being, like you said, a, a Big Ten title contender. Well, and you mentioned, I don't think it impacts the turnovers. I mean, obviously the offense could score more if they didn't turn it over. It impacts their defense more, right? They're 11th in the country in offensive rating, but the defense allows, you know, when they have a turnover, a live ball, you can get fast break points. That's been an issue for, for the defense. And I know it's more than just turning it over. You got to stop the ball, but um, that has certainly been an issue for this team. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Mike, um, there was some news. Uh, we saw pictures from the Illinois Instagram, or at least the fans did, and I saw that they saw it, um, that Andre Corbello was working out with the team. Uh, the broadcast made reference that he was playing scout team, playing Peyton Willis uh, in their shoot around today. What do you think that means? And uh, I mean, everyone's been wondering, right? Like, when's he going to come back? How is he going to come back? How healthy is he? All that stuff. It's certainly a good sign, right? If he's running scout team a little bit in these shoot rounds. Trending in the right direction, for sure. Um, and that's really all you can ask for at this point. I think you want to make sure that, you know, the ducks are in a row 
when, when he does come back. And I, and I get it. You know, this team is clicking on all cylinders, right? All cylinders, every single cylinder you can think of, they're clicking on it. And now you insert a guy that is not just a off the ball, you know, catch and shoot type of guy. You know, it's a guy that's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Now, I do think that they're going to go a little bit more away from the high ball screen type offense because I think, you know, a lot of these horn sets, uh, like we talk about in the film breakdowns, these horn sets, getting the ball into Kofi, making those passes from the middle third, putting these teams in, in, in really difficult spots defensively, that's probably more where this, you know, wh- where this is going to trend outside of maybe just high ball screen, 60% of your offensive possessions. Um, you know, but, but, you know, now the question comes in, okay, well, do you start him? Do you not start him? I, I personally think he, he'll probably come off the bench. Um, it probably makes the most sense. He played that role. He succeeded in that role last year. It's a good way to kind of ease him into it. And then maybe you make some changes, you know, going down the line, you know, you, you get a few more games under his belt, get him comfortable. Um, but I think the biggest question mark is the three guards playing together, extended minutes, um, Frazier, Curbelo, and Plummer, and, and what that's going to look like defensively. And, and in my personal opinion, you know, I think you're going to – Trent's capable – and this is why Andre Cabello is so valuable because Andre Cabello is a really good on the ball defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, he proved that last year. He proved that early this year. And now that Trent is that guy, when you play against big 10 teams that are a little bit bigger, that maybe that small forward three spot is a six, six, you know, six, six, maybe six, seven guy. You can put Trent on that guy. Trent's Trent's done really well guarding bigger guards. Um, he can do that. Now you, now you have Andre Corbello guarding the point, and now you put Alfonso Plummer on whoever that third guy is. And I think the biggest question is going to be, hey, if you, if you have a lineup of, of Kofi, Jacob Grandison, uh, you know, Trent, Andre Corbello, and Alfonso Plummer, Alfonso Plummer, we're going to need some help on the defensive glass, mm-hmm. right? And, and Corbello, Corbello does that. Corbello's really, really good at that. So he's going to give them another lift there. But – if you're Alfonso Plummer, it's, hey, I, if we're in this type of lineup, I got to guard my tail off like he has been doing. He's been improving like crazy. Um, but also, I got to track some, track some balls down in the defensive glass. And, and I think they'll be in good shape. Offensively, <laughs> offensively they're going to be fine. There's no question about that. But um, as this team starts to mix in, it's funny. It's like Clay Thompson and Andre Curbelo, or it's all crescendoing at the same time. So, um, you know, I, there's, it's funny, the parallels, right? Like you have a, a proven good player who's coming on to a, a 28 and eight or 28 and set 29 and seven warriors team. How's this going to work? We know he's really good, but we got this good rhythm going. Yeah. Good players are good players, man. And, yeah. and, and, and it's not going to, going to send your team into a tailspin. If anything, it's, it's going to help it. So I'm excited to see him get back in the lineup. Yeah, and you think of the last time Andre was was on this team. I mean, he he was thinking he has to do everything because because Trent is out or Kofi's out or all of this, and now he's he sees this team that should be ranked right whenever he comes back and is a Big Ten title contender. He just said, "I, I just got to be a good piece, right, and, and help these guys whether it's on the glass or or you know that yeah that last seven minutes of the first half like that's where Andre helps right where he can break a defense down, get easy buckets for people, and if the offense can get better that way." Uh, and you can rebound better with him. It's just an unbelievable asset to bring him into the fold. But I agree with you, Mike. I was going to ask you, how do you bring him in the fold? 
I agree with you. I think it's it's off the bench and probably not asking a lot out of him right away. It's just, hey, be Andre. Like, give us energy, you know, create some offense for people and and distribute. You don't got to go score 20 points. Yeah, and that's got to be a relief for him. Yeah. Uh, you could tell he, he was wearing it when, you know, when he was counting on to do all those things. And, and it's not like this is coming from the staff. Hey, we need you to go out there and score 20 points a game and dish out 10 assists a game. We just want you, like you said, to be Andre Corbello. And just like he was last year, I thought last year he just had just some unbelievable moments of poise, you know, in, in big, big moments as well in the Big Ten tournament. You know, I talked about before, right? He played 80 minutes in the Big Ten tournament and turned the ball over five times, yeah. handling it a ton. Like he's, for, for someone to say that he hasn't done it on this stage or, yeah, that's just not true. We've seen it. I know I know it's, it's recency bias and, Everybody wants to to take the Marquette game and you know take parts of that Cincinnati game and and bunch it up and say this is Andre Curbelo, but the full body of work says that you're wrong. Uh, so, like I said, I, I'm excited to see him come back. Uh, I think you'll see a much more relaxed and almost like a Coleman Hawkins, where you kind of settle into to your role. And um, and like I said, luckily it's a it's a role he's done before and he's and he's done really well at it. So um, it's gonna be fun, man. Quick turnaround to Maryland, Mike. Uh, Maryland not off to a good start. Eight and five, zero and two in the Big Ten. Offensively, they're really, really struggling. 79th in the country in efficiency there, and they're not much better uh, defensively. They've lost uh, at Iowa, at home to Northwestern, home to Virginia Tech, uh, neutral site to uh, to Louisville, and, and lost at home to George Mason. So, what do you think of this matchup? A team. Maryland, that's, you know, heavy on the transfers. Dante Scott's a, a good player. Ayala, Fats, Russell can create. I think it's more of a test. I mean, these guys have some offensive potential. They just haven't put it together yet. Yeah, just like Minnesota's kind of been the – or, you know, Minnesota's been a bit of a punching bag um, for Illinois over the last few years. Maryland's had its fair share of wins against Illinois. So, you know, it's kind of the, the script has flipped a little bit. And – I didn't really understand the, the preseason hype for them going into the season. I thought they, you know, they, they lost some key pieces, um, you know, and, and then they, they go and get two transfers out of the transfer portal, Fats Russell, you know, and Wahab as well. And, and I, I don't know, Fats Russell is one of the, and this is, this is not hyperbole. I'm not just being subjective here by the numbers. He's one of the, the least efficient players uh, volume wise in all of college basketball uh, during his time at Rhode Island, you know, you're talking about full season shooting 33, 34, 35%. Um, just, a, you know, a tough shot taker and, but he's quick, man, you know, and, and he can, he can be electric and transition and Eric Ayala. I mean, they have a lot of, they have a lot of guys in this team, uh, you know, with Hart and, you know, Dante Scott. I mean, they got, they have, they, they're capable is what I'm saying. They're capable of pulling off a win. I don't think this is a game where you can play the record, um, whether it's their full record or their conference record, uh, that that slate is cleaned every single time you play a, a Big Ten game. You never know. I always go back to my freshman year, right, in, in Michigan with Trey Burke. You know, they, they ended up moving their way into being the number one team in the country. They were number two. They beat us at home, mm -hmm. right? And then their next game was at Penn State, who was, I believe, one in 14 in the conference at that time. And Penn State knocks them off. So, you know, you never know in the Big Ten. So, you know, to, to have this game against, Mich or against Minnesota tonight, you feel really good about it. You don't feel like you're, you know, have any rust. I do think that you're starting to see with Brad Underwood, 
and this has been a theme with him, he keeps his guys in during blowouts late. And there's a reason for that. Cause I think when you are clicking on all cylinders, like you are, like they are, like you don't want an, like a helter skeleton. That's kind of what it turned into last four to five minutes turnovers and it got sloppy and you don't want that to be yeah, same right. Thing too, right. Right. And like, you, you don't want that to be the way that you go into your next game. And I thought tonight they overpassed a little bit um, and that led to some turnovers, but you know, back, back to Maryland, I think this is a, a good test after, after a blowout win. I think last year, this was kind of their Achilles heel, right? They had these blowout wins. Um, I correct me if I'm wrong. I, I do believe that the blowout win in the barn last year, the follow-up game was Mich- at Michigan state um, or, yeah, or maybe uh, it was a uh, Rutgers. It was Rutgers. It was Rutgers. They, they okay. came out uh, sleepwalking on defense, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I think, and that was Minnesota at Minnesota last year, they blew them out. And then I think, then I think they're at Michigan State. Yeah, then they're at Michigan State and lost that one 81-72, yeah. And that was the right. one loss, right, from January 19th to March 21st. Right, so you hope you can, you know, I get it. You know, there was no rust, right? You know, but now it's a, it's a one-day prep for, for a, a team that's kind of starving for a win in the Big Ten. So, you know, I'll be interested to see how they come out, and it's, it's going to start with setting the tone there in the first few minutes. I was going to ask, do you feel that as a player? Do you feel like, yeah, we're good? And then, like, I mean, you think about 18-22, you should feel good after a win like that, right? Like, Or are you guys more composed? Are you more disciplined? Depends on the team, right? You know, it depends on, on who the leaders are, who's in that locker room, what they're saying, how serious they're taking it. And that's why you just don't worry. It's just really hard to worry with this team, yeah. um, with the guys that they have, guys that have been there before, that have won big games, um, you know, I, you look at guys like Trent and DeMonte and Kofi and Grandison, you know, these guys that are these leaders on this team, I, I truly believe they're not going to allow that to happen. Uh, you know, I, they're hungry, man. I mean, they've already in this season, this hasn't been a perfect season. And I think they felt, you know, during their struggles early in the season, they felt a little disrespected. Yeah. So you can carry that for as long as you can carry that, carry that with you. If it, if it, you know, get you going before every single game. Um, you know, the, the, the Michigan talk before the season, uh, the Hunter Dickinson talk, I mean, all that stuff. There's plenty of bulletin board material for you to draw from, for you to roll out every single game and say, hey, you know, we still have something to prove. We were a one seed last year. They lost in the second round. Like this, this you know, we got a fire in us to, to make sure that that doesn't happen again. But you can do that just with a certain focus every single game. And, and especially in conference play, you need that, man. And this is starting to become a trend, Mike. Remember 2020, there was some hype about this team. They go to Arizona, they get humbled, right? And then they lose to Miami, lose to Maryland. They're six and three, oh and one in the Big Ten. And then they started to turn it up, right? They they beat Michigan at home, and all of a sudden they they go on a nice run in the Big Ten. Um, and then last year, right? They they have back-to-back losses to Maryland, Ohio State. They lose to Missouri, they lose to Rutgers, and then all of a sudden, like when they become the hunter and not the hunted, uh, this team just flips a switch. Like maybe I'm generalizing too much, but it seems like it's a trend here that this team, it's almost better when they struggle early because it locks them in, it focuses them up and it makes them feel disrespected. And that fuels them. They find a way to be fueled. I know Brad Underwood uh, certainly adds to that. Um, But those, those losses to Marquette and Cincinnati, we probably should look at now is, Maybe that was one of the best things for this team to say, like, hey, you haven't arrived yet. You got to go get it. And, man, they're they locked in right now. 
Yeah, they've answered the bell. That's for, that's for sure. And and even just looking at you know in a vacuum, this these first thirteen games of the season, you were a one seed last year, and you're quicker to ten wins this year than you were last year, right? You know, you're nine and five last year after I, I believe either the, either the Maryland or Ohio State loss, whichever one came last. Off to so you're not ten start. Right, right. Nine and five, and now you're ten and three here this year. And and I believe when you look and break it down, you've played more high major teams up to this point. Right. So, you know, there, there's, I, I do believe that this team and it's easy to get wrapped up in saying this team is better than last year's team, but there's certain aspects to this team that, you know, present different threats than last year's team for sure. I mean, right now, I think the question is always a hey, closer, you know, we had that last year with IO. Um, but one thing you can unequivocally say this year is that it's a better shooting team yeah. for sure. Uh, you add Alfonso Plummer to that, it opens up a lot of things and it's the perfect, you know, complimentary piece for a guy like Kofi Coburn. Um, and like I said, you're adding Andre Curbelo back to a team that's, that is ascending uh, right now. So yeah, you know, I, I think this has been a trend over the years and, and it's what good teams do. It's what good programs do where people just, people just think that, you know, that I've said it before, the team that rolls out there in November is the team that you have for the whole year and what you see in November and December buckle up because that's who this team is. And it's just not true. And the good teams and the good programs, the good coaches, the good players, they find a way to continue you know, to stack days and, and continue to improve. So we talk about January being a pivotal, pivotal month for every team in the nation. And the work that you do in January typically sets you up for, for February and March. And obviously they're off to a good start. Absolutely. Well, Michael, too, it's great to have basketball back. It's great to have Big Ten basketball back every night on our screens and uh, buckle up, man. It's going to be a heck of a month. As you said, January is really important. It's going to be a heck of a three months ahead. And we're glad to have you along for the ride. Michael, too, can't thank you enough, man. Have a good night. Awesome. You too, man. Great stuff as always from Mike Latulip. Appreciate him as always. And later in the week, we'll do another VIP film room breakdown. And if you missed, uh, we did a free film room breakdown uh, on Io DeSumo. So if you want to get a look at what Mike does with his film breakdowns, go check that out on our YouTube page, the Search Alana Inquirer. You'll find it uh, and check out a great breakdown of why Io DeSumo has been successful with the Chicago Bulls as a rookie so far. So you get a gl- glimpse of all of that. Uh, but a great breakdown from him on the podcast as always. And Derek Piper and Joey Wagner were up in Minneapolis, so they'll have coverage from that. And yes, of course, we will have an Illinois Offensive Coordinator Change podcast coming up. I just recorded that with Joey Wagner, uh, so we'll have that coming up. You'll have two podcasts in the same night, basically, so that'll be coming up as well. But appreciate you, as always, listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rate us, review us wherever you get your podcasts. We really appreciate that. It helps us out. And everybody, take care of each other. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.